Welcome to the Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson, a nationally recognized expert in the analysis of complex life insurance structures. In the Acres of Diamonds podcast, Bob talks about the flip side of owning a life insurance policy that your client has outgrown or that has underperformed. We share insight and strategies to help advisors maximize the effectiveness and value of their clients' life insurance policies. Hello and welcome to the Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson from The Settlement Masters. Today, Bob's going to be talking specifically to advisors, really, about how advisors can qualify prospects so they increase their success rate. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I'm great. Uh, this is a wonderful day, a beginning of a great weekend, and I'm good to go. I know you've been extremely busy, and I appreciate that you are taking the time to do this podcast for the advisors. Any advisor that approaches the settlement industry has a lot of questions, so I will be asking questions to Bob based on what advisors are, are asking him, and then he can give those answers. Does that sound good, Bob? That sounds great. All right. Bob, first, let's start with this. What would you tell the listener about the market today that's available for a life settlement? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that a settlement is an option. It's something that you do as a fiduciary to a client to make sure that the client's portfolio of life assets, life insurance assets, are safe. And when you have the right candidate, the right candidate meaning understanding the age bracket the type of policy, the type of company, uh, then you begin to ask the right questions. But I want to frame this in that it's an option. Settlements are an option for the senior citizen that purchased life insurance in the 90s and the early 2000s because that's the sector of business that insurance companies have targeted to actually get them off the books. The policies have been have been absolutely identified as co- uh, contracts that they can raise the internal costs, therefore destroying the cash value, which eliminates the time that a policy stays in force at the same premium. So if any advisor has any senior clients or has any clients in the 50s, 60s that have parents and grandparents, you got to ask the question because it's like having a stock go to zero. It's like having a bond that goes into default. If you don't warn them that there's some options, you know, I don't know how good of a fiduciary you are. You have to know that this problem exists now more than it ever has in the history of the life insurance industry. We've never had carriers escalate the cost of insurance like they have recently. And Eric, I'd like to tell you why they have. I don't agree with what they've done. But why they have is for the last 10 years, bonds have not paid them the kind of return rate that they need to run the company. Mm. Therefore, they have felt that they will get these people off the books or make them pay sometimes three to five times more than they've been used to paying. And it's just unconscionable. Any fiduciary, any advisor listening that cares about their clients must incorporate the option of a settlement compliant, let me say compliant settlement in their process. Okay. Bob, on previous podcasts, you've talked about institutional funds and and what they are. Could you remind the advisor what an institutional fund is and why they want to buy life insurance policies from individuals? Well, that's another important question. It's a good question, Eric. 
The reason why the word institutional is so important is that people that are approached to use the option of settlement and selling their contract, the first thing that comes up is who's going to buy my policy? I'm uncomfortable with somebody that may have a better interest in my dying than my living. And that, whether it's verbalized or not, it comes up in the minds of the prospect. So if the professional frames this in the way in which the client understands that your back room, your partner that does this, hopefully it's settlement masters because we're the most compliant in the industry, when they review your contract and it is saleable, they only deal with institutional funds. Now, what is an institutional fund? And I think that's what you're asking me. And why are they interested in buying policies? Institutional funds are like BlackRock, Apollo, major hedge funds that utilize portfolios of life insurance like they would a bond fund or uh, alternate investments. They found that purchased in quantity, life insurance return rates for the owner or the investor, which would be one and the same when you sell a policy mm -hmm. to an institutional fund, they can predict the re rate of return based on mortality. So it's just like the insurance companies sell the contracts. They sell it based on health. And likewise, the institutional funds, after we do our work and do the actuarial work, they will buy contracts based on mortality. An institutional fund is a pension fund, a hedge fund, a school teacher in New Jersey's pension fund because it's underfunded. Uh, they found that life insurance portfolios in large enough quantities can meet the return and exceed it. And so institutional funds are very important so that you're not dealing with a firm that is marketing or selling the policies to investor groups, one individual, that's a big no-no. Mm -hmm. You do not do that. I recommend you do not do that because, number one, you won't get the, the best price. Two, you're not going to get a buy-and-hold owner, and you may be selling to someone that's got three or four or five policies they purchased, and their return is only based on when they die compared to that of an institutional investor which buys maybe 100 or 1,000 policies. Now you're operating on statistical probability, which mortality operates on, and it's predictable. How does an institutional fund price a life insurance policy, and who do they buy from? Well, institutional funds have developed the science of uh, predicting the value or the return of a large body of life insurance contracts. And how they do that is really up to us to prepare them in the proper way so that they can look at what they believe is the right combined mix of policies based on life expectancy. So what we do is we, the settlement master's broker, we gather the medical records and we get the two to three different actuarial companies that are independent to look at the medical records and evaluate what the life expectancy would be on the individual, just like an insurance company would do when they're issuing insurance. Once they come back with the three life expectancy studies and we have the medical reports, we do a cover letter that tells the lifestyle of the client. Some clients may have medical history, but what they're doing is they're on their Peloton, their bike every day, they're doing the right things, they're taking the right medications, 
And we tell that as a cover story. So when the institutional funds get our file, they can tell based on lifestyle, LEs, and how a person's policy is operating, what kind of a pricing uh, they can offer. Pricing meaning what kind of an offer can they offer. Now, typically, when the offer comes in, we use that offer and get other offers. So we're in a bidding process once we get one to give us their pricing model. Frankly, Eric, we know based on the science of pricing, approximately the range that a policy would do well coming in Mm -hmm. with the price. We know that when a fund and a fund states up front, we want 17% per annum on this fund. And that drives, that number drives the LE, the the premium to death benefit ratio, meaning how much is the guy paying annually to to how much is the death benefit uh, and the quality of the paper, which is the uh, carrier that is um, underwriting the policy. So the pricing model is pretty scientific. Uh, we do most of the, the packaging. And once it's packaged with a lifestyle letter, we send it in and then we get the institutional funds to bid against each other. So that's pretty much how it works. Mostly scientific, but then the uh, when I've got a great file, a great policy that fits all the criteria, I know I can push uh, the funds to spend up to a limit. They they try to lowball everything, hmm. obviously, like you would buying a house. You you come in with a low offer, and then somebody else uh, bids higher, and then you come back, and that's the way this works. Got it. So how does an advisor that is going through this process, how do they find the right prospect? What do they look for? Well, that's, a, that's an important piece of information because – you have to, number one, know how a institutional fund prices based on what I just told you. Mm-hmm. you got to understand that life expectancy is a, is a main driver in the pricing model. So what does a 17% fund require in terms of policies they purchase? They require a six-year or under life expectancy. Well, you're better off prospecting in the 80-plus marketplace to get that kind of an LE. Mm -hmm. Those people are people that have bought tons of life insurance in the 90s and 2000s, and those are the ones being damaged, if you will. And if you prospect in that area, you're going to have a much higher closing rate. And I use the word closing. I I really want to say that settlements is an option and it should be looked at that way, an option against people understanding what they have to pay to keep that policy in force compared to the market value, the capital value of a life insurance in the institutional market. And that kind of comparison we do for every case, for every advisor. We do the analytics of the present value of future benefit so that we can see what the actual value is. But we tell our advisors, talk to people that are in their 80s and 90s. It's crazy, but people in their 80s have kids and grandkids they want to leave things to. And so many times when they have life insurance, they bought it in the 80s or 90s or even early 2000s, and they've done substantial estate planning. They have no estate tax exposure. They've got plenty of assets. They really don't need the life insurance. 
and it may not be pricing right. The carrier may have raised the premium and they don't want it. So don't think that because somebody's 80, they want to keep their life insurance contract. If they do, we want to help them do that. But if they're going to drop it or cash it in like so many are doing, $143 billion this year, that's face amount, will be cashed in or dropped because the client doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And frankly, Lisa, which is like Limra in the life insurance business, Lisa has said after polling people that have done that, dropped their policies or cashed them in, that they would have pleaded with their advisor to let them know that a settlement was an option and the advisor didn't talk to them about it. It's imperative that advisors get a little religion toward this because it's a it's a humane it's a humanitarian issue today because people in those age groups many of them can't afford the insurance they need money for retirement they need long-term care they need all kinds of things that have to do with money and we can help them by doing a diagnostic that finds out whether or not their policy is working or not this is a great tool and and I know that an advisor that is a good fiduciary that's good with their clients would want to have these conversations and every advisor needs some good scripting. So Bob, can you kind of tell advisors what should they say when they're talking to somebody in that age range about life settlements? I just tell them the truth. I would tell them that there is a problem in the life insurance industry today. If you own life insurance, you need our team to diagnostically look at it to make sure it's safe If it isn't, we'll show you how to make it safe. Uh, We'll show you how to fix it if it's fixable. And if it's not fixable, we'll show you how to negotiate a much higher value than the cash value in the policy for you today. And, And that's what you need to tell them. Fantastic. Bob, there are younger advisors out here that have been working in the business, but maybe they don't have people in this age range. How can they do some prospecting into that market? Well, they're all around them. They just don't know it. It's like the Acres of Diamonds, you know, the Acres of Diamonds story that Russell Conwell told that I've used because I believe that thing people are around you that you're not even aware of. And maybe you're afraid to talk to them because they're older and you're younger. Uh, people that are in their 70s to 90 year old are parents, grandparents, great grandparents, So if you have 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old clients, uh, ask them, tell them the problem, that today there is a serious condition that exists in the life insurance industry that never before existed that's destroying policies that people bought for the purpose of helping their family and that your firm diagnostically looks at with your partner, hopefully it's Settlement Masters, diagnostically looks at all the options to fix it or increase the value uh, in that policy over the cash value and do it right now. But talk to them. If they're 50, they've got a 70 or 80-year-old parent or a 90-year-old grandparent. Statistically, one in three will fit in that category and they'll have life insurance. When you give them a sense of urgency... I mean, this is not a uh, this is not a game. This is something that is crucial today. That's why 43 states now have uh, legislation regulations to mandate uh, insurance companies notifying uh, their clients uh, if they're going to cash in or lapse a policy if they're over 60. 
That's why the state of Georgia, for an example, issued an edict from the insurance regulators to the carriers saying, if you stop one of your agents from talking about settlements, we'll fine you. Mm. I mean, there is a serious problem here that the regulators are seeing. The insurance companies don't like it. Let me be frank. The insurance companies don't like settlements. And they don't because they don't want to keep this block of business, this liability on the books. Uh, they're they're going to have to pay out billions of dollars that they don't want to pay out, frankly. They'd like to get them off the books. And so this problem really started from that perspective. And so I love the insurance industry, but I don't like what some of the insurance companies have done. Not all of them have done it. But there's been eight or nine of them that have done it that are prominent carriers that wrote billions of business during the 80s, 90s, and they're still doing it. In fact, there was just a settlement right now with one of the carriers, I won't mention their name, uh, $195 million settlement for this issue, the COI, cost of insurance increase. But they did not reduce the rate that they had raised it to. They just paid off money that had been paid in the past by them raising the rate. But they didn't change the rate. They kept the rate at the high level. Hmm. It's a real problem, Eric. I think that advisors that have any kind of fiduciary belief and they talk about their compliance level and they talk about how careful they are with clients, this is an asset class, life insurance, that today needs to be diagnostically looked at more carefully than anything else they do. Bob, I have worked with advisors for many, many, many years, and I can hear them right now saying, that's great, Bob, but this is a whole new avenue for my business, and I am so busy. I mean, they're all small business owners. Bob, you're a, you're a business owner. You know how busy you all get, uh, or we all get. What would you say to them if they say, I, with all these other activities that my business requires, how am I supposed to find time to prospect this market? That's a good question. Uh, it's an easy answer. Uh, the answer is simple. Uh, when an advisor is working with a client, he has a questionnaire. He asks them questions to find out where they are, what they feel, what they think. And all those questions are helpful in being able to get the advisor to get a handle on what type of client this is, what his concerns are, what he worries about, and what they see are issues that can be a problem. All you got to do is add this as another question. That's all you got to do. And, and uh, for an example, I was helping an advisor the other day, and he had a corporate client, and he happened to be local in the Newport Beach area. So he asked me if I would go with them to talk about settlements. I said, what are you going out to see him for? And he says, well, I'm going out to do corporate planning. I said, how old is the client? He says, he's 74. I said, okay, let me come out with you, and what I'll do is at the proper time, I'll incorporate the question. You listen to me so you can use it again. Mm -hmm. So he went through his questionnaire, and when it came to uh, asking about assets, I, I uh, politely stepped in and said, uh, Mr. Smith, I said, one of the things that have, you know, there's senses of urgency, there's things that are prioritizing that every business does. And one of the priorities that we do in our business is look at portfolios that may have, I'll call it an infection, things that have happened recently in the, in the financial markets that may be really important. 
Uh, and I said, I need to ask you a couple questions if you own life insurance. And he said, well, yes, I do. And I said, well, w- what kind of life insurance do you own? And he said, I own universal life insurance. And I said, well, do you own it or does a trust own it? He said, no, a trust owns it. I said, is it an irrevocable trust? He said, yes, it is an irrevocable trust to keep it out of my estate. And I said, well, let me tell you what is happening. You are in the age group where policies have been infected by a financial problem that is destroying policies. And one of the things that we do as this advisor is going to be doing an analysis on your entire estate, we're going to be able to bring you an analysis on whether your contract is infected, if it has a problem. And if it does, we're going to show you how to fix it, or we're going to show you what the real value of the policy is over cash value. Would that be okay with you? And he said, well, what's the problem? And I explained to him, I said, well, carriers have targeted groups of 70 to 90 to increase their internal cost of insurance. And most clients don't know about it, and it comes out of your cash value. And when your cash value goes to zero, the policy dies. And we want to make sure in your overall planning that that doesn't happen. Would you be interested in that? And he said, well, maybe I should talk to my insurance agent. I said, well, let us talk to him because he... If you have faith and confidence in him, we'll help him through our firm to do the analysis because we specialize in that area. Would that be fair enough? He says, well, I'll just give the information to you and you handle it. You know, I don't really have a great relationship with the agent anyway. And that's the way it goes. You just have to ask another question that has to do with the, the, the crisis mm-hmm. of this asset being destroyed. It sounds like you just need to deliver a sense of urgency, really. Absolutely. And speaking of sense of urgency, Bob, we are getting low on time, and I know we have a bunch more questions. Can we do a part two podcast on this? Yeah, I think it would be meriting to do that because people, uh, you're right on in your questions, and there's a bunch more that I want to answer. So let's do it. All right. Do you have any closing thoughts for us today? Uh, The only thing I want to say is I'm talking about a sense of urgency for the client. Let me say to you advisors, build a sense of urgency for this issue. This is not something that you want to be told the client already did it and somebody else has helped them with it because they're going to wonder why you didn't bring it to them. Talk to them about it. Ask them if there's an issue. Do they own life insurance? But make it an issue with you. Build it into your questionnaire. I was taught a long time ago, I, I, I have to, you have to tolerate me, I have to tell you about a poem that was taught to me that I, <laughs> I tell myself all the time. It's on the plains of hesitation, bleak the bones of countless millions, that on the dawn of victory, sat down to wait, and there they died. Don't just sit down and say, well, this is a good idea, I'll think about it. Implement it now, and you will find you'll be thanked, you'll be making a lot more money, you'll be opening up a lot more doors, And I guarantee you, you'll be feeling good about the things you're doing to help these people. Bob, thank you so much. I am looking forward to part two. And advisors, I hope you are too. Thanks for listening to Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Bob comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these with friends, family, or other colleagues. Thanks again for listening. For everyone at the Settlement Masters, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Acres of Diamonds podcast. 
click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.